25th Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What is up, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And Laura... It has been a minute since we recorded one episode last week for the holiday. Hopefully everybody who's listening in had a wonderful holiday. And if the holidays are not a super grand time for you, hopefully you're able to take care of yourself as you're listening to this on this fine Tuesday. I also have a little bit of like morning sexy going on because like we're recording in the morning on Tuesday, which is different for us. We usually record on Monday nights. And so, um, hey, everyone. Um, (laughs) How's it going? Yes, it is different for us to be. We're like vampires. It's different for us to be in the daylight. But I have to say that I do kind of enjoy this. I do like kind of enjoy like starting my day by recording the show because like I think it's like just like a good starting point for me. So it is a a good start. It, It feels productive before I have to hop onto a plane and be not productive. That is true. You are flying to Washington, D.C. today. So. I, if there's anybody out there who's, like, really good at, like, really cringy, shitty Photoshop, um, I need somebody to make a cover of Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, but replace it with me and then <laughs> put my name instead of Carmen Sandiego. So if you're listening to this and you are somebody who is good at that stuff and you want to have a good time with that please do it because i feel like i literally i pay fourteen hundred dollars a month to stay in a place eight nights a week or a month (laughs) i feel like i'm never home um you know who is good at that kind of stuff is our friend danny danny is good but and danny is good because danny will like she could actually do it in a way that's like actually good but like hearing me say that it needs to be like shitty and cringy she'll absolutely make it shitty and cringy so so maybe i'll have to ask her to do that because yeah i just feel like i am always on the move i think that this podcast microphone has probably been in more cities and states than a lot of people and that's kind of a problem (laughs) it's this thing is like if anyone's curious yeti blue microphones travel well they travel really well they do. Um, we have not traveled with my little snowball one, so he would probably break, knowing my luck. So. No, I think we'd be great. I think it would be lo- like we'll have to do it sometime soon because we've got some really fun things planned. So that thing's probably gonna have to make a road trip or two here in the near future. Probably, but yeah. So since Jeremy is gonna be in DC for a conference, we this is another one episode week. So I apologize that you will only be able to hear our lovely morning voices one time this week but and the fact that most of all of our social media presence will be me and i know i'm not as entertaining as my counterpart is so you all can tell when the emoji use per character goes up it's probably laura but all of that is to say that it's also a weird week for the Blue Jackets because there are no games between now and then. Like, between now and when we next would record, well, when we would normally record, which is on Thursday night. So mm. the Jackets have a little bit of a, a down period here, which could be good. Which <laughs> simply <laughs> could be good because uh, 
I love this hockey team so much. This is my, I love the Columbus Blue Jackets. I have really struggled to watch Blue Jackets games <laughs> the last three times they've hit the ice. Like, I have really had to, like, it, it has been rough to watch. Maybe not so much, maybe not so much against the Knights. We'll get there. But, like, the, these three games that we're talking about, like, they happened. They were hockey games. They They were played on ice. They were. The most exciting thing that happened since we last recorded is that the Predators arena had a water main break and like they didn't play on Saturday. Like that's the most exciting <laughs> thing that happened. <laughs> like... Yes. That poor arena uh, has experienced quite a bit of trauma. I can't believe and... they got it back to like, I'm a little disappointed. I don't think that anybody has posted any pictures of what it looked like when it was at its worst. Which I, like, shouldn't want to see, but, like, there's a part of me that, like, the destruction of that is, like, just fascinating. So I'm, like, like, I'd like to see it, but I don't know how the ice stayed intact. I don't know how anything. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it was, like, rumored that it was anywhere from, like, in parts, there was anywhere from three inches of water to three feet of water. So that's a lot of water. And if depending on how much was on the ice really depends on what, how much they were able to salvage of the ice. So. Well, well, and that's the thing is like, I don't have any idea how like water is like when I had all that water in my basement, I was like, what do I do about this? Like, because like, I don't know, like, like, how do you get rid of water? Like it's so like without like a really crazy equipment, how do you get rid of mass quantities of water like that? I remember Man, it was, I don't know how long ago it was at this point to even guess would be stupid, but a few years back, there was actually like a lot of really intense flooding that happened in the Calgary area. And so the Saddle Dome was actually like really underwater. Like, um, I think this was during the off season though. So it was a little bit of a different situation, I think. I could be lying again about that. But that they had pictures from that, and it's just like intense to look at so glad they got it figured out in nashville i think they're playing tonight or they played last night i can't remember which it is but they're playing the ducks and they're playing at home and so oh, that's good exciting things for for the predators so um but this isn't a predators podcast sorry steven's trek um this is not for you this will never be for you actually just close out of the app <laughs> not just steven specifically but if you are here and you think it's a predators podcast uh, no, specifically Steven. I did mean specifically oh. Steven. Yeah. Okay. You know, gotta, gotta I don't mean him. that, Steven. Gotta humble. But all of this is to say, why do I keep saying that? Laura and I do this thing sometimes where we have like ticks that we say and we say the same thing over and over again. I think you all know Laura's. Mine recently has been that was like, rude. All of that <laughs> to say or all that kind of, I hate it. I can't help but notice it. Recording a podcast, not good to your mental. In terms of like catching what you say constantly and being like really critical of yourself. <laughs> so if you're if you're weak hearted, kind of like Laura and I are, maybe mm-hmm. think twice about starting a podcast where you have to talk often. But I suppose we should probably speaking of talking, we should probably talk about the blue jackets. We should probably talk about the hockey that's taken place over the course of the last, you know, week or so. And folks, I mean, like, I say this with all love, like when going we went to the game on Wednesday which was actually let's let's actually take time to talk about the most exciting part of that game mm-hmm. 
the reverse retros look, look so, so good. good. They're so good. I, you know, I like I knew people were like, eh, I don't know how I feel about like black and navy together or like black and blue. It's like a weird mix. But when they committed to like the black pants, the black helmet, like that was like fire. Like maybe one of the best like combinations of any of our uniforms, I think. Like it was really, really nice. And those look so clean on the ice. Yeah, the the guys looked really good. And I think now that everyone has sort of seen them in person and like seen the combination on the ice, like, um, I mean, by the time we went into the blue line to buy your jersey, which was at the first intermission, I mean, they did not have a ton of jerseys left. So they were clearly sort of a hot commodity um, the night of the game. And we, you know, also saw a lot of people wearing them. So a lot of those people that took advantage of the pre-order and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I think, I think the, the sort of hate for them is kind of dwindled down now that they've been seen on the ice and, you know, the guys look like they like them and it's just, for me, it's a much better combination than the red jerseys. So yeah, and the red, I mean, we've talked about it before. It just, I didn't hate them, but it just didn't hit, I think, in the same way that these ones do. And so I'm excited to see what might change when the when the NHL goes away from Adidas and goes to, you know, another jersey provider in the future. We'll see if we get any tweaks and changes to the current Blue Jackets uniform. But the Blue Jackets, you know, this game started pretty pretty dull um you know i will say like defensively the blue jackets started the game pretty strong they weren't really allowing for montreal to get very many opportunities that were high quality but montreal was doing the same like it was like back and forth like there really was just like nothing happening offensively for either team and you know not a lot of energy in the arena when that's happening i mean like you can obviously appreciate like good quality defense, but like, let's be honest, like we know how arena atmospheres work. It's like, it's fights and skulls. Like those are the things that like really, <laughs> mm-hmm. really get the, get the guys going and get the fans going. But none of those were present in the first period. And so kind of a sleepy first, then you go into the second and uh sleepy second. <laughs> Although a fight in the second. So yes. that was, exciting we do love a good fight erica Branson um, looked real good fighting in the reverse retro that picture the photo of him like having like just taken down the canadian um that sounds like <laughs> when out of context that sentence feels so weird but after just having you, taken it sounded down, like he, you player, turned him into a super villain a super villain like the canadian like, i know well and i'm like not with any certainty but i don't think is Erica Branson Canadian? I have no idea. So I can look sound, though while you yeah, continue talking. Made me sound like he hates his own people, but but yeah. So you know, sleepy second again, and almost like just like super rapid fire in in the third period. I mean, things just really started hitting the fan. <laughs> Start and and Matthew Olivier. You know, continues to, to have the monkey off of his back. He scores, and the Jackets have a one nothing lead. But a minute and a half later, you know, the, the Canadians tie it up. And then less than a minute later, 50, 
eight, no, 57 seconds later. Don't make me a liar. David Savard. Oh, savvy. And in case anyone forgot, he doesn't play for us anymore. (laughs) So that was sad. (laughs) Not a happy situation there. And so the Jackets go down 2-1 and then an empty net goal at the end of the game, you know, calls it. And I mean, like, this is the kind of conversation, this is the kind of game that was happening. Uh, when Sean Monahan scored, I looked at everybody, I said, isn't the lead singer of Train's last name Monahan? Like, that's, like, where my brain was at during the game. Like, <laughs> it's like... And I couldn't for the life of you tell you if the lead singer... I did. Of- I was right. I was right. I think you were right. Monaghan. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, just, like, a rough game all around. I mean... Uh, yeah, there's not really much you can say. Like, Sam Montembeau was pretty good for the Canadians. The Jackets did have their chances, but at the end of the day, it comes down to just not enough chances for the Jackets to to really get one past them. I mean, weird. The Jackets led that game in shots on goal, so, like, that's, like, a That's whole, a difference. That's a, you that, know, a that's different a thing for us. <laughs> that is a moral victory. They say that there's no such thing, but I disagree entirely. And uh, speaking of moral victories, then they played on Friday. (laughs) Right. Before that, though, you were right. Erica Branson is from Canada. He's from Ottawa. Look at me go. Look at that. So a lot more of the same question mark in that matchup between the Islanders and the Jackets. Although I will say things felt bleaker toward the beginning. (laughs) I mean, the Islanders jumped out to a 2 nothing lead, and it just felt like the Jackets weren't going to be able to to solve for anything. Like, they weren't going to be able to get the offense going until Igor Chinnikov and Ken Johnson. What – who else but those two, right? Like, in a period of time where the Jackets are, like, really struggling. It seems like the games that we win are the games that – our veterans and our young guns show up at the same time. The games that we lose are the games where one or the other does. And so right. like this game, the young gun showed up on the score sheet, you know, you, I, really nobody showed up on the score sheet against Montreal. And then against Vegas, our veteran showed up on the score sheet. So like, we're not like, like that mix is necessary. That, that success from like everybody and every piece is really important for the success of this team, right? Like everybody, like the way this team is made up, the injuries that are are happening right now, like everybody has to be on their shit to win a game. And, you know, unfortunately for the Jackets, they weren't on, on Friday against the Islanders and and Brock Nelson won the game in the third and the Jackets just weren't ever really able to, I mean, they tried. I mean, like they, the end of that game was intense. I mean, Columbus had their chances, just were not able to solve Ilya Sorokin in that one. Yeah, that one was, it was pretty frustrating because you could tell that they wanted to make up for Wednesday's situation and they had this just like bright spark with the two goals. I think they were 36 seconds apart between Chinny and KJ and that really like put a, a lot of energy into like the arena because again, you know, the attendance was pretty good both on Wednesday and on Friday. Wednesday definitely had like a feel that people were using the game more so as like a gathering place to like see old friends and 
stuff like that and not really paying attention to the game itself. So like there were a lot of people there, but there wasn't a great energy. And so that was a little bit better on Friday, but yeah, they just really fought through in the third period, but could not just could not get that, you know, tie up um, goal um, or advantage goal before um, the Islanders did. So you know, we left on another sort of frustrating thing. And like we said, you know, the game on Saturday, I think, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to go with it was a good thing that they got two days to just like relax. And because I hate back-to-backs where it involves us traveling because it just doesn't go well. And a situation where they would have had a back-to-back with travel and then only had like a day to regroup before Vegas, like it just wouldn't have been good. But then we get to the Vegas game last night. Yeah. And oddly enough, uh, it's something I didn't even think about was that actually extended the Blue Jackets home, home like stretch to seven games. So you have plenty of time to stay home, especially during the holidays. I'm sure that was really nice. And I'm sure especially the guys with families really did, did appreciate and value that. But but yeah, I mean, your least favorite kind of a game, Laura. <laughs> it was that, terrible. It was I mean, the shootout. Oh god. Like <laughs> I was so happy for them. Like I was so happy that Johnny and Boone um, you know, got on the score sheet and like of course Johnny cuz Johnny had not practiced for 2 days because he was sick. Um and honestly still kind of looked a little bit under the weather. Well, and oh. Jeff Lavota like tweeted like somebody had replied and was like, "I thought Johnny was sick to like the line projections," mm-hmm. um, and somebody was like, "Is he gonna play?" And Jeff's reply was, "I mean, I don't think so, but I'm not gonna be the one to take him out of the projected lineup." And sure enough, I mean, he played. So good on Jeff to have the foresight of, of well, the NHL's like third longest iron man which is ridiculous at only like 310 315 games <laughs> like it's like really well i think part of it was like oh my god phil's here i can't like <laughs> i can't lose this situation when like the longest running is here whatever um probably not i'm sure he didn't even think about it but um and erica branson too because it had been said that he was also sick um mm. but he also played so it just, uh, and I just, it's the, like Jeremy said, it's the worst type of game because I hate overtime in general, but I, more than that, hate shootouts because I think that they're a irresponsible way to determine games. So. What an interesting way to describe that. And I don't think I disagree with you. Like an irresponsible way to determine games. I mean, there's a reason why it doesn't happen outside of the regular season, right? Like, right. it's not a real true measure of how good a team is i mean i'm i'm of the accord and you are too i think where i would rather see the nhl bring back ties than see them continue with the shootout but i know that we're not popular american sports culture like let's just name it like doesn't allow for ties like in any sport like i mean like if you listen to people talk about mls talk about the crew i mean the crew i think had a metric fuck ton of ties this year i think it was like in the teens yes yeah, it was the number that i had in my 
Yeah. I think that's what Steve, we had lunch with our graphic designer, Steven, on Wednesday, and he is a big crew fan, and I'm pretty sure he said 16 ties. I mean, could you, and like, uh, hockey fans and, and American, like, sports fans just lose their mind over ties. Like, everything has to have a winner. It's that hyper-competitive society that we live in, and so, obviously, like, the NHL falls, you know, falls in line with the other other sports leagues, although the NFL has ties. I mean... So maybe we should well, consider it. Or I don't know, just keep it consistent with how you do playoff hockey. In the playoffs, they don't do shootouts. They do an, an additional 20 minutes of overtime. Like, and as we saw <laughs> in the bubble against Tampa Bay, that also can go for long periods. But if you don't want to do it that way, then just do a continuation of five-minute periods of three-on-three overtime and till someone wins because it's just not it does not it's not fair to the two teams like i've gone on this rent before it's just not a fair way to determine the winner of a game with a skills competition part of me also like i don't think you could do the 20 minutes because like what happens if you have a five overtime game in the regular season and then it's like on a back-to-back like that is almost like impossible but right i wonder like i think about like what baseball did with you know, you get into extra innings and you start with a runner on second. Like it just like you start there. And so I wonder like, is there something, is there, you start with a five on five or five minute, three on three, excuse me. And then if your game is still tied, then like, do you have like, do you have a period where it's four on three for a minute? And then like the teams have to like, do you know what I mean? And that's like, logistically that's a nightmare, but I wonder like, is that a more fair way to determine a game than? Well, and I also just think it's absolute torture on goaltenders. Like, because again, I I'm a goaltender sympathizer. Yeah, because, you are a goalie apologist for sure. Yeah, because okay, well they're playing the three on three battle of wills sort of situation. Um. And then you want them to then have to do last night what eight rounds of shootouts? Um, last night was there are thirteen shots total, so six, seven, seven. How are there thirteen shots? Okay, math is hard. Um, so yeah, I mean it's a lot. It's a lot to put on goaltenders, and I mean especially when you get into situations where you get guys who are like younger, like, and in in this case, like both of these goaltenders are younger. So, I mean, it wasn't like you had like somebody who was like an all-star and one net and, and somebody who was like, no disrespect to Terry, but like a rookie goaltender in the, in the other net, like thankfully, at least for that case, it worked out. But if you look at the Jackets lineup, I mean like the players that they normally would put in these situations, just like aren't playing. And so the Jackets, you know, let's recap the game, I guess, first in that, Things were not real great in the first period. Obviously, the Golden Knights scored in rapid succession in 56 seconds. They knock in two goals. William Carlson, we know him. And Will Carrier, we don't know him. But all that is to say that the Jackets enter the second period down 2 nothing. And who else but Johnny Goudreau, who only knows how to score at Nationwide Arena, but we're not going to tell him that he can't because if he scores in every game at Nationwide, he still has a 40-goal season. So – we're going to carry one of those that we can. And, you know, 
for him, I mean, it was just a perfect. I mean, that. I mean, that was maybe one of the better, like, possessions that I have seen the Blue Jackets have in in a long time. I mean, like, the passing was just so confident. I mean, they were like quite like it was one of those moments where like if we were at the game together, I would have looked at you and been like, they're gonna score here because like it was just so relentless. The the pressure that that line was putting on on Vegas and the way that they were able to just like create opportunities for themselves and Johnny Goudreau is not going to miss on a shot like that. And so he tied or he doesn't tie it up. Excuse me. He brings it within one and sincerely who else, but Boone Jenner to, to find a puck in the crease and just sleep it on home to get his team leading ninth goal of the season. You don't want to say career year anytime soon with him, but he's playing lights out still. I mean, he's really playing well, and that's nothing but good news for the Blue Jackets. And so game goes into overtime, few opportunities back and forth. Daniil Tarasov played Daniil Tarasov played a good game. I mean, there were a lot of chances for Vegas throughout the 65 minutes of play before the shootout. And so kudos to him for even getting the Blue Jackets into the shootout because there's you could probably make an argument that he could have let another goal in and nobody could have for it. So then we get to the shootout and starts off well. Gus Nyquist scores and you think, oh, this is going really great because Vegas doesn't score in their first two. And then former Blue Jacket again, Jonathan Marshall Show scores and ties it up. And Ken Johnson has the opportunity and Logan Thompson makes a save and then you kind of go back and forth for a few before finally, um, unfortunately, I think, God, Paul Cotter, I had to look up his name because I didn't even remember. I saw P. Cotter and had no idea who he was. So <laughs> Paul Cotter wins the game for Vegas. And I mean, you think about the players who are in this in the shootout lineup for the Jackets. Are you ready for this? It was Gus Nyquist, Igor Chinnikov, Johnny Goudreau. Kent Johnson, Boone Jenner, Cole Cylinder, and Trey Fixelansky. <laughs> yeah. When they announced Trey, I was like, oh. But like that's where we're at now. <laughs> who, else, who else at that point, right? I mean, like, who else do you send out? I mean, Trey has shown that he has some skills, so I get it. But you know, another multi-point night for Johnny Goudreau, a multi-point night for Gus Nyquist. And so, you know, this is one of those games where like at least at least this game against Vegas didn't hurt nearly as bad as watching, especially like, it feels like of these three games, like it progressively got less difficult to watch. And which is maybe confusing because I think Montreal was the worst of the three teams that we just talked about. (laughs) Then the Islanders and then Vegas. So this team was playing up to the opponent that was coming into nationwide arena. So, I mean, competitive game against Vegas, we won't be uh, giving any three stars out this (laughs) This episode, uh, we might not ever do that again this year, but (laughs) (laughs) we might have to amend our rules so that way we can do that. But, you know, Laura, there's one thing about all of this that, you know, still made me feel good being in Michigan. Uh, Is that because you can gamble legally on DraftKings in Michigan? Yeah, and I won some money on last night's game. So uh, I'll take that when I can get it. I, no, don't do that to me. Don't do me that. I took the spread. I didn't take the game winner. 
I think the okay. spread was one. I think the spread was one and a half, and so I said the Blue Jackets might lose this game, but it'll be by less than than or less than one. It'll be like, no, excuse me, no more than one. No, it's not mm-hmm. great. But uh, hockey fans, as you all know, you can light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just five dollars free game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum aid and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And so, Laura, this next part of our show, we're going to be talking about players that probably aren't legally able to gamble. And that is the number of transactions the Blue Jackets have had just in in the last really uh you know in the last couple of weeks and the transactions that aren't happening and so that's another piece of this conversation and so uh the blue jackets obviously you know called up trey fixlansky a couple weeks ago he's been playing pretty consistently and then the jackets also recalled tim bernie from cleveland and sent brennan gaunt back down and i'm just happy that cleveland wasn't playing a game because the reason that well, they called wait. him burning up was because they there was a thought that maybe Billy Sweezy was going to have to go for Erica Branson. And so, you know, calling Tim burning up was going to give them that seventh defender if they needed it. And naturally, he ends up playing. So uh, Billy Sweezy and Tim Bernie, two pretty consistent, constant players in, in Cleveland's blue line, just were not there. So <laughs> good good thing that Cleveland didn't have any games. And so the biggest thing that I think people like continue to wonder is like there are players down in Cleveland that are eligible to be called up and the Jackets just keep not doing it. And that primarily we're talking about Kirill Marchenko. I mean like more than anybody, but even outside of that, I mean like Carson Meyer gets a call up and you know, Emil Bemstrom gets sent back down. And so there are just a lot of things happening for the jackets on the transaction wire that kind of indicates like where they're at developmentally with a couple of these players. And like I said, specifically Kirill Marchenko. Right. I definitely think it's being made a conscious effort right now to keep certain people in the monsters organization to get as much playing time for just because for their development. And not that, I don't know what Lars's camp is thinking, but like people like Krill Marchenko, people like David Yerachek, like they've been staying down consistently because they're just, they're doing well in Cleveland. And I think what we've seen, especially in the case of like Emil Bemstrom, like he came back up, made his debut, was like, you could see improvement for a couple of games. And then it just sort of like, dissipated like and he just went back to not to be just to just not being a productive player in Columbus we send him back down to the monsters and he scores a goal and gets an assist in his first game back like there's something going on there like I don't know like what Trent Vogelhuber is like 
putting in the water where like magically Emil Bemstrom just becomes so much better when he plays in Cleveland. But um, yeah, I, I do think some conscious decisions are being made, um, but it, it is nice to see people like Carson Meyer get to finally come up and, you know, get his opportunity to play in the big club. I don't know how long that's going to last because we're going to talk here in a few minutes about some people that, might be coming off of IR. And so, you know, and they are people that definitely get spots back in the lineup. So um, yeah, it's complicated. And it's been like, you know, the, like, like we always say, the social media world of being a fan of any sport is always an interesting place to live in. And um, people have a lot of opinions about a lot of things, but I'm just not quite sure that in the type of season that we're going to have that we're going to get to see some of these people that people really want to be called up because we're letting them thrive in a different environment. Well, and I think the thing with Bemmer that is so interesting is he's obviously playing top line minutes in Cleveland. Like when he's down there, he is playing with, with the best of the best. And I know that there were some things happening in the lineup in Columbus to try to get him those opportunities. But when you look at his time on ice in a majority of the games that he was up here, he played 12 minutes or less. And that to me is like, it is that thing that the blue jackets quite frankly have always been really good at. And that is not, it's, Oh, well we want, we want you to come up, but we really don't know where to put you in the lineup. And so instead of like sitting with some discomfort of like changing some things up, we're going to actually instead just, um, put you on the third, fourth line. We're not going to put you on any special team units and we're just going to call it a day. We're just going <laughs> to, just going to say that you're here and be confused when you only have four points in the games that you're up because you're really just not on the ice. And so I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things where like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, like if you're going to have these young guys be up here and if you're going to have these guys who are supposed to be a part of your future, be up here, play them meaningful minutes and play them on a line that is actually going to make a difference in the game. Like, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. And, and I think some of that kind of goes to something else that we were going to touch on. It's just like, obviously you've got players like Boone Jenner and Johnny Goudreau who continuously just show up and show up and show up and put points up and play incredibly well. I mean, you've even got Kent Johnson, who's like not by any means leading rookies in scoring, but like he's flirting with that like top crowd. And it's just, it is not you don't see a ton of players right now having just like absolutely like massive seasons for the jackets but there are a couple and so like right now Johnny Gaudreau's got 22 points on the season Boone Jenner's got 15 and then Ken Johnson and Igor Tinikov quietly have 11 they're the third most on the team I mean that's definitely a good sign but I think it's just not getting talked about a lot in Columbus Right. There was, um, I think it was either Jeff or it might've been Jeff that did an article the other day about um, Chinny, just like he's quietly making, you know, just this push to be a bigger part of this team and like is, you know, kind of similar to like how we always talked about Oliver Bjorkstrand and like just being that sort of like quiet presence and like, they're you know they try and be the best team player that they can be but then they also just like 
you know, in their own ways, make their own game better, but people just don't talk about it. And, you know, and I think that that's kind of the, the weird tier of situations that we have in the Blue Jackets right now is where you have these veterans like Boone and Johnny who are, you know, really putting it all out there every single night, which is going to cause another issue down the line because Boone is injury prone and he and Johnny can't carry this team by themselves. And yes, we're going to have some people come back into the lineup here soon, but like the, the balance of things needs to get worked out because you also get this situation where you look at people's playing times, especially over the last probably week, not even just these last three games, but like, some of these players, like no one other than Boone and Johnny and Gus Nyquist and Vladislav Gavrikov and Andrew Peak are getting consistent playing time each game. And we're not running all four lines. Like Lars has been doing something that is very reminiscent of John Tortorella, where after the first period, he basically sits a line. And I don't think that that is helpful in any way. Because what he's doing basically is he's throwing out line one, which is Johnny and Boone's line, and then whomever he decides to put in Patrick Line's position, which as of late, it's been Gus Nyquist. Like, he's putting in them, then he'll put in two, then he'll put back in Johnny's line, and then he'll put in three, and then he'll put back in Johnny's line, and then he'll put in two. Basically eliminating either the third or fourth line for most of the second and third period. And so you get people like Cole Sillinger, like um, a little bit of Sean Corrale, like all those people that are playing like eight, nine minutes a game. Like, you know, even Kent Johnson and Chinny, like, and all these people that he's bringing up that just aren't getting playing time. And again, it goes back to this decision of, are we fighting for something that the rest of us can't see is an option or are we trying to just develop what we have so that in years to come, we can actually be fighting for something that's tangible? Because right now it's just painful. Yeah, I mean, looking at that time on ice so far this season, so the person who is last on this list is Matthew Olivier, and he plays 11-11 on average a night. Kent Johnson is next at 12-49 a night. Emil Bemstrom was 12.54, Cole Sillinger 13.06. Justin Danforth was 13.23 before he got hurt. Igor Chinnikov 13.27. You know, it's – and then you look at at players like, you know, Boone Jenner, 20 minutes. You look at Patrick Laine, 19.52, Johnny Gaudreau, 19.50. So, obviously, right, like, I get it. Yeah, they're playing defenseman minutes. Our top line is playing – it's getting up there. And I mean, like part of that is too, I mean, you've got all three of those guys are on your first unit for your power play and all that kind of stuff. So naturally that's going to inflate the numbers a little bit, but even still, it just feels like the utilization is not where I would want it to be. And uh, just in case anyone's curious as of right now, Ken Johnson would be on pace for about a 43 point season. Well, that's actually, that's not even true because I did that based on how many games the blue jackets have played. And he's definitely been scratched in a couple. So Ken Johnson has actually played, uh, da, 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 da. This season, Ken Johnson's played 18 games. So let me real quick, let me run this back. 
Ken Johnson currently is on pace in an 82 game season to have a 50 point season. And uh, anybody know who uh, Rick Nash is? You know, I do think I know who that is. Yeah, I've heard of him. Uh, his first season in the NHL, 39 points. So quietly, like Ken Johnson is, like having a really good season. And I think it's one of those things where like the expectations of rookies is just so, so different. But I think my biggest thing, and I made this joke <laughs> the other night, Gus Nyquist is not playing poorly. I will say that. Like he is, he is playing well. Uh I shouldn't have this issue. I like Gus. I The reality is Gus Nyquist, unless he takes a really team-friendly deal, it's not going to be a blue jacket after this year. Like, that feels pretty safe to say. And still somehow, some way, like, he is racking up the first-line minutes in the situation that we have that could, inst- and could be an opportunity, right? Like, when you look at the fact that you've got – because Patrick Line slots right back in there when he's back. There's no doubt about that. But you've got an opportunity, right? You've got players who you think are going to be in that role at some point in the next however long. Why not play players that are actually going to be on your team in that role and have them develop? I mean, I'm not saying that you need to throw – I think Liam Foodie skated in Johnny Goudreau's spot last last week or earlier this week when Johnny was sick. I'm not saying that you need to put Liam Foodie there, but – you know, send the discomfort of having a player like Emil Bemstrom be on that line for an entire game. An entire game. Like, I'm not saying you play Blue Jackets Boggle at any point. Entire game. I don't care who starts. Entire game. Fuck it. Throw throw, Chinny on that line. Throw, you know, throw Cole on that line. I know he's you're wanting, wanting him to be a center. Throw him on the line. Throw Cat on the line. Like, just do it. Like, just take Gus off the first line. Like... Play Gus meaningful minutes on the second line. Take him off of the first line. This is a chance, and we've squandered it. <laughs> like that is true. We have squandered it. He's played well in it. I'm not mad that he's on it. Like performance wise, I just from a development perspective, I'm like, this is a chance that we had here, and we just didn't do it. Um, and so we'll see where that goes. But talking about players who could potentially find themselves in that kind of a spot in the NHL one day. There's this guy named Jordan Dumay. Are you familiar with him? I am. And I hear he's like blowing it up. I mean, yeah, it's actually kind of ridiculous. So the blue jackets third round pick from the 2022 draft, Jordan Dumay has actually signed his entry level contract, which is exciting. I mean, like, obviously like that's one of the things that like you knew was going to happen, but it shows that the Jackets, like, you know, think that it's happening sooner rather than later. And so they wanted to get this one done, and for good reason. I mean, Jordan Dumay has been absolutely tearing tearing the queue up. I mean, plays for the Halifax Moosehead in 24 games, Laura. Jordan Dumay, 19 goals, 35 assists, and 54 points. If he continues to play at this place, pace, it, it puts him in the favor of players like Sidney Crosby. And, I mean, who wouldn't want to be involved in that conversation? Of course, there are questions about how his game is going to translate to NHL ice. I mean, he's, he's a little bit smaller. He's on the smaller side. Honestly, have to say that's probably the reason that he went in the third round and not earlier. But, man, he is just absolutely blowing it up. And 
And if he keeps doing it, he's going to have a chance. I mean, he's got 2.25 points per game right now. And so he's up on on the rest of the queue by a total of 13 points. And the player who's sitting in second um, is has played two games. That's two games in hand on him. And so he's leading the league in points. He's a point back of the goals pace, or he's a goal back of the goals pace. And so Jordan Dumais is, is having himself a year. Yeah. And I do think that this ELC is definitely a, um, it is a, we appreciate you and all the hard work that you're doing. Keep doing it where you're doing it. And we'll discuss things, you know, as your season comes to an end. So you may see him towards the end of the blue jacket season, you may not. That is not a cause for, you know, freak out or anything of that nature. Because, like you said, there is a conversion from juniors and all that sort of stuff level play to the NHL. So it doesn't always convert quickly or easily. And you never want to stymie a player's like progression by rushing him into a circumstance. Plus, Jordan is crazy young. Like, he is a baby. And so it's going to be where it's going to start getting interesting is going into next season, what they're going to do with him, depending on how he performs in camp and all that sort of stuff. Because as far as I know, he won't be old enough to play in the AHL. I think that you are right. Let me just confirm that. So what Laura is referring to for folks who might not be totally aware is that there is a, there is a agreement in place between the NHL and the Canadian hockey league, which is the premier junior league in Canada. And that is comprised of the WHL, the OHL and the QMJHL. And so that, uh, does not allow players who are under the age of 20 by a certain like point in the season to play in the AHL if they don't make their NHL squad, they actually get sent back to their junior team. And so, you know, obviously pros and cons to that, but that is a reality. So right now, oh my God, I'm old. Oh my God. Okay, so Jordan Dumay was born on April 15th, 2004. And um, I'm going to throw up. I know, <laughs> <me too. laughs> uh, And so uh, he is a player who would definitely not be um, – able to play in the AHL next year. So it's one of those things where obviously he'll come to camp. Honestly, he'll probably be back in Traverse City, if I had to guess. And he's somebody who is going to have, I would say, a chance to make the team next year. But I don't think the Blue Jackets are going to be brokenhearted if they send him back down to Halifax for a fourth year in junior. So he can, again, just continue to wreak havoc on on that. So <laughs> props to Jordan Dumay. Uh, you know, apparently what this is telling me is that if you are – a prospect in the Blue Jackets organization, and you want to have just an absolutely mind-boggling year that's going to have you being compared to the likes of Sidney Crosby, talk to us at Traverse City. It seems to work. So come say hey. It does. So, Laura, we're coming to the end of our show. Just a couple of quick, quick little notes. You have a question from a listener that I'd love to answer. And so I will throw it to you to ask me the question, and then we will kind of go from there. I'm going to... I had oh, sneeze. sneeze mid recording. 
Sorry. You're a, you're a pro, Norman. I'm sorry. No, I do have a question <laughs> from one of our um, newer social media followers and friends um, who I adore this person. She gives us incredible feedback after every episode. And I was telling you earlier that I feel bad sometimes because I don't always know what to say back to her in certain things because I'm just like, yeah, no, you're right. That's exactly what happened. Um, but she also has great questions because she is new to being a Blue Jackets fan um, and also has little kids who are also really inquisitive about learning different things. So she has a question about something that happened the other night during, I believe, the um, Islander game. Is that when this happened, I think? Yes, it was mm. Friday during the Islander game. So her name is Morgan. Hi, Morgan. Um, so Morgan wants to know if we can explain the difference between major and minor penalties and why a second player is needed when a major um, a major by both teams is being upheld and a minor is given to a player of the same of the same team at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So to this point, so if a team receives a five-minute major and if it's not offsetting, so obviously like if you have a fight that is two offsetting five-minute majors, neither team goes down a skater, so you still play five-on-five. Five. Obviously, if a team takes a major penalty – and it's just the team, like a major for boarding, like that kind of thing, then it is a five-minute power play. And the thing about a major penalty is it's not the same as a minor where if, like, you score on it, the power play goes away. Five-minute major is a five-minute penalty regardless of what happens. You can score two, three, four goals. I mean, there was a couple of years back that was the drama of, of the San Jose Sharks and Vegas Golden Knights playoff series was the Sharks received a five-minute power play and I think scored three goals on the power play for a controversial call. And so it's definitely possible. It's definitely, um, you know, definitely not a situation that most teams want to be in. But in a situation where you have offsetting five-minute majors, coupled with somebody getting an instigating penalty. So in this case, I believe it was Matthew Olivier, right? And so in this mm -hmm. case, the Matthew Olivier got the five-minute major for fighting, as did the Islander, but then also Matthew Olivier got a two-minute minor for instigating. And so what happens is that is enforced, and that does give the Islanders a uh, man advantage. So it's five on four for the two minutes of the instigator penalty, which is like served at the same time as the majors, but – you have to put an extra player in the box. And normally it's the same as like if there's a delay a game penalty or if a goalie gets a penalty, what you're going to do is you're going to put the player that you know you're not playing on the penalty kill, you're going to put them in the box. And so in this case, it was Kent Johnson. And so Kent Johnson serves the two-minute minor for instigating. And so having a player in the box allows for the Jackets to, once that minor is over, return to five-on-five five because Kent Johnson returns to the ice out of the penalty box while Olivier stays in the penalty box. And so the other piece of that, too, is during a five-minute major for fighting, players don't leave the penalty box at the conclusion of their five minutes. They leave the penalty box at the first stoppage of play after they have completed the five-minute penalty, if that makes sense. I know that wasn't necessarily part of the question, but just to kind of kind of tie a little bow on that one, hopefully that, that answers that question of – of why that happens the way that it does. And if y'all have any other hockey questions, Laura and I like to think that we're pretty good at explaining some of the more, um, you know, more simple concepts of hockey. We do get a couple of questions every now and again that are really like based in like hockey strategy or like hockey, like X's and O's. And, and while I think I've learned a decent amount, and I know Laura has learned a decent amount over the years in talking hockey and talking X's and O's. 
we always try and hope to bring on experts <laughs> in that area. And so I know that we also got a question about, uh, you know, different roles on the power play and, and why certain players are in which roles. And so I'd love, hopefully we're going to have a guest on soon to, to go over that in some more detail, Laura, but hopefully that, hopefully that answers the question. Yeah, I think that that was great. And like you said, we are planning some upcoming content that's going to be um, a little bit more about those more specific things that, you know, are better explained from an expert um, and also like easier for people who are newer to the game or newer to the Blue Jackets um, strategies, like more uh, more explainable from someone that's not us, that it, someone who's actually on like, the Blue Jackets payroll. So correct. Yeah. 100%. So Laura, a couple other things just to wrap this episode up. So if, if you're a masochist and you subscribe to the athletic, um, Don Luschichin, who I'm not a fan of really as a human, all, the, all that often, I just really don't like Toronto homers, but um, actually as a, as a person, he seems like he's great as a hockey analyst. I don't always love him, but uh, he has added a Bedard watch to his uh, daily projections. And so the Blue Jackets currently sit at third on those projections behind, I mean, the teams that you would expect. So the Jackets, I guess that's the point of the season for him. <laughs> and and we'll go from there. But uh, if you have a subscription, go check it out. Just, you know, hurt yourself a little bit like I did. And then finally, just, you know, some injury updates. So like, like we talked about a little earlier, it looks like Patrick Line has been on the ice, which is exciting because, I mean, the injury that he sustained could have been anywhere from a four to six week injury, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And him being on the ice on November, you know, 28th, you know, I believe that's 16 days after his injury took place. I mean, it shows that he's obviously progressing at a at a pretty steady pace. And then Elvis Merzlikens also on the ice, and he was week to week, so it's one of those things where like you kind of expected that it was going to happen sooner rather than later, but good to see that these players are getting back on the ice and hopefully going to take the blue jackets payroll on IR down a little bit. Yeah. Which would be a a very large benefit to all parties involved, um, both getting them on the ice and getting that IR budget um, back into a little bit more of a normal realm, um, at least for right now, because Lord knows we're still, very early in the season. So injuries abound at any point, but um, so yeah, great to see both of them back on the ice um, and just, yeah, great. It'll be a great opportunity too for not that Tarasov hasn't been playing lights out when he's been here, but it'll be nice for him to be able to hopefully move back down to the monsters and get like some really consistent play um, and also give uh, Jet Greaves a bit of a break because he's been uh, muscling most of the Cleveland games uh, in Tarasov's absence. So, you know, just an overall uh, nice thing to, to bring both of them back into the lineup. Absolutely. And Laura, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, not any Blue Jackets hockey happening for the, the rest of of this week before Friday, I believe it's Friday, the next game against uh, yep. Winnipeg at Winnipeg. So, uh, you know, the Jackets will head to Winnipeg, uh, the most beautiful city in the world, and they will play there. And we'll obviously be be chatting about that on our socials and things like that. So, Laura, before you do the social plugs, is there anything else on your radar? Nope. Just that Friday's game will be an 8 o'clock start. Um 
So, and, you know, I will always be happy if we can beat Pierre-Luc Dubois. So. You and me both. So, Laura, let the good people know where they can follow along with all things Subjectively Speaking. Yeah, you can follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at SubjectivelyPod. You can follow us on Facebook and TikTok and YouTube at Subjectively Speaking. Um, if you want to learn more about the two of us or just get links to all of the things that I'm mentioning right now, you can check out our website, subjectivelyspeaking.com. If you would like to support your two favorite hockey podcasters and get some sweet merch in exchange, you can check out our merch store, subjectivelymerch.com, which does now feature all of our um, current logo designs. Um, and we'll hopefully feature some new things in the future, courtesy of our graphic designer, Mr. Stephen Kanicki. Um, and then lastly, uh, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, scroll on down, hit five stars. It is our favorite number. And again, we don't know how the algorithm works. Um, we just know that likes, reviews, subscriptions, stars, all that sort of jazz uh, helps us get noticed in the po hockey podcast charts and helps to bring more people into our little lovely community. So other than that, we just love and appreciate you all so much. That we do. And until next time, please make sure you take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and we will talk to you all next week. Bye.